on everyone exalt him exalt him you are my God we're going to read the word in just a moment but I, and I always ask you to stand for the reading of the word we must honor the scriptures and I want everybody to stand we're going to sing this one more time and I want you to throw your hands up in the air and I want you to exalt Jesus. He's been good to us. Amen. He is the captain of our salvation. He is the son of God. He is the son of God. The only begotten of the father. Amen. The only begotten of the father. I say that for a reason. We exalt Christ and Christ alone. Come on, sing it. you to find the holy scriptures which are able to make thee wise unto salvation turn to leviticus 23 we'll begin reading with verse 33 thank you worship arts department and god bless you for your support of the storehouse this wednesday night on the eve of thanksgiving i will be preaching the third part of the series the healing power of god it's a miracle night this wednesday night and we're getting ready for the productions. The children's production is a week from Wednesday. And the adult production is about uh, three weeks from tonight. The women's gala and Christmas celebration, as Pastor Chris mentioned, it is a Bethlehem experience. If you women would just go by the gymnasium and look, you'll be in that experience. I'm telling you. It's going to be a powerful experience for all of the ladies. And we're also hosting 175 ministers and their spouses one week from tomorrow night in the gymnasium. They're gonna, we put this on the Bethlehem experience and we're hosting all of the Assemblies of God church pastors and leadership uh, from all over the area and so uh, we'll get two uses out of the Beth Bethlehem experience this year. But it is the last year to do this particular uh, thing at Christmas and so uh, I want all the women to uh, connect and go to the table or go to itickets.com. Lastly, I have been tasked uh, by some of the ladies in the church. They need a lot of help tomorrow. You can see the decorations on the outside are coming together. And uh, we've got more angels, 12-foot angels that are going to be around the property. Our men have been making this week. And, uh, but we need ladies that love to decorate. That is your gift. That is your calling. Uh, Monday and Tuesday, we have to have all of the work finished. And so we need a lot of help. Monday and Tuesday, I need some carpenters. We've got to build stalls for all of the live animals one year we didn't build our stalls strong enough and the donkeys were on Lane Avenue. The goats and sheep were running through the neighborhood, hitting glass doors, and we're getting phone calls, and so I need some good carpenters this week. Amen. So help us out, unless you want to go chase a donkey to Lane Avenue. Amen. Leviticus 23, 
Verse 33, And the Lord spake unto Moses, saying, Speak unto the children of Israel, saying, The fifteenth day of this seventh month shall be the feast of the tabernacles for seven days unto the Lord. On the first day shall be a holy convocation. Ye shall do no servile work therein. Seven days ye shall offer an offering made by fire unto the Lord. On the eighth day shall be a holy convocation unto you, and ye shall offer an offering made by fire unto the Lord. It is a solemn assembly, and ye shall do no several work therein. These are the feasts of the Lord, which ye shall proclaim to be holy convocations to offer an offering made by fire unto the Lord. Here's the offerings, a burnt offering, a meat offering, a sacrifice, a drink offering, everything upon a certain day. Each one of those seven days they were making offerings. Beside the Sabbaths of the Lord and beside your regular giving, which was their tithes or offerings, beside all your vows and beside all your freewill offerings, which ye shall give unto the Lord. Also in the fifteenth day of the seventh month, when ye have gathered in the fruit of the land, ye shall keep a feast unto the Lord seven days. On the first day shall be a Sabbath, and on the eighth day shall be a Sabbath. You may be seated. God instituted the very first Thanksgiving. I asked our intercessors last night, who knows when Thanksgiving began? And we all went back to the pilgrims. But as I was studying, I began to go back to the Word of God when God actually instituted the fall feast known as Tabernacles. It is also a very important time in Israel. It was a time to show a heart of thanksgiving, and it was also a time that they were tra to transmit to the ensuing generations, their children, their grandchildren, uh, that God is their source. That they're not self-made people, but they're trusting in God, and God is their foundation, and all praise belongs to God. And there was very important spiritual aspects of the Feast of the Tabernacles. Israel was commanded to give thanks at the fall of the year. After all the crops were in, God instituted this time of thanksgiving known as the Feast of the Tabernacles. Now, there were very important things concerning this feast. They did not have an option. It was not whether or not you wanted to follow these things. God gave them commandment concerning the Feast of the Tabernacles and how to observe this feast. And I want you to follow this. Number one, in verse 35 and 36, they were to remember the Sabbath. Everybody say, remember the Sabbath. The Jews were to rest from their work. And on the Sabbath, they were to worship God. The feast was a time to rest and to worship. Rest and to worship. God meant for the Sabbath to be more than just a holiday, more than just a time to take uh, away from the busyness of life and just pause. Rest is important. God rested on the seventh day. He rested. And so he set a type in place, but it was also established as a day of worship. Everybody say worship. Many times we do the rest part, but I want to tell you, worship is important. You can be rested physically, but if you're not rested spiritually, I want to tell you the physical rest is very little of, of, great, of very little consequence to you. Don't allow only to be resting this week 
as we enjoy a national holiday. But there needs to be worship going on because God has been good to our nation and God has been good to each one of us. In some families, the only spiritual connection of worship will be just before they eat the turkey, they say a prayer. Just before you partake of the bird, do more than say a little prayer over that bird. Amen. I'm telling you, he's done died and his soul is, he doesn't have a soul. Amen. You can't change the eternal state of that turkey. He's going in the stomach. Amen. And we're going to feast. But I want to tell you something, friends. There's a spiritual application. When the crops had been gathered from Israel and the productivity of the land had been seen, uh, then the people were to pause and they were to rest during the tabernacles and they were then to offer worship to God because they could not have reaped the harvest had it not been for God. At the reaping time of year, our crops are in for the most part. The fields have been gleaned and the fields have been reaped and now it comes a time that America needs to pause and we need to give credit to where credit is due. Had it not been for the Lord which was on our side, we would have no crops in the bins. Amen. Nothing in the storehouse. But God has made it possible for America to be blessed. And so remember the Sabbath and don't let Thanksgiving and this time this week be only a time of rest and holiday. Let it be a spiritual time. Transmit that to your children, your grandchildren, your family members. Connect things spiritually with what God is doing this week. Number two, they were to do something else. They were to render sacrifices unto God. Every person were, was to bring sacrifices. The Jews were to render these sacrifices, acknowledging that God was their source. They were to bring their regular giving, their, their tithes, their free will offerings to the temple. But more than that, they were commanded to bring special offerings every day. This was part of tabernacles. What would you do if you were a Jew living in, in, in Israel and the Feast of Tabernacles came along? Everyone, every day, brought an offering. And you offered a sacrifice before the Lord. It was important what tangibly came from our lives or from their lives uh, to recognize that God was their source. And so they brought offerings unto the Lord. Number three, verse 40. They were to rejoice before the Lord. Do you know it's a commandment in the scriptures to rejoice before the Lord? To acknowledge the goodness of God? To realize that, that, that God's been favorable to his people? And so verse 40, part of the Feast of the Tabernacles, in fact, I studied it, it is the most joyous of all the feasts. And it was a time they were to celebrate and rejoice, and God actually says rejoice. In verse 40, and so they were to acknowledge, I want you to lift up your hand as a commandment of the Lord under the Feast of Tabernacles that you are to rejoice for the goodness of God. Come on. Amen. Rejoice before the Lord. Amen. And then they were to reemphasize God's provision. The Jews were to dwell in little booths. Under these booths for seven days. I think it would be wonderful if here... In Jacksonville, in America, every one of us would go out and build little lean-tos in our backyard and go get some palm fronds and, and some, some, some thatch and for the next seven days this week, go dwell in those little thatched booths. Every night, instead of going to lay down in your comfortable bed, let's go get under a little thatched, uh, little thatched booth and for seven, I bet by next Sunday you would appreciate your house. 
I bet by next Sunday you'd appreciate your bed. Amen. It doesn't take very long being out of your own bed and having to sleep in, in some of the places our missions groups go before they, they say, thank God for my bed and for home. Amen. And every time we fly back into America, I say, thank God for America. I want to tell you, God said you're going to have to dwell for seven days. And this happened every year. It might be a good thing if all of us really picked up on, uh, on what God commanded under the Feast of Tabernacles and we displace ourselves. Maybe this week just make your bed on the floor itself for seven days. Maybe by next Sunday we'll come together and we'll say, thank God that you've blessed me with a bed. You know, that can be so insignificant, but if you go out and live for seven days on a dry uh, ground and have to make your bed on the ground, next week we'll come in rejoicing. You know what God was trying to do? Remind them that they wandered 40 years in the wilderness. I'm telling you, friends, sometimes we have such ingratitude for the practical things that every day God loads us with and he benefits us. One more time, I want you to slip up your hand and bless the Lord. Holidays are important. They're a welcome change from the routine of life. But the spiritual significance must be transmitted to our families. Amen? I want to challenge you next Sunday. This is a week of holy convocation. Your pastor has called for this in alignment with the Feast of Tabernacles. And next Sunday, I want every worshiper to bring some kind of thanksgiving offering. I don't want it to be much, but I want everyone to have something in your hand above the Lord's tithe and your free will offerings, your normal offerings, some kind of thanksgiving offering. I don't want anybody to put yourself out. I just want you to have something in your hand because next week on the eighth day, something's going to be released, I'm telling you. And God, how many, God's been good to you this fall? Over the whole year, you look back. My wife and I are going to take what we would normally spend for about four dinners out, and that's going to be our offering next week because that's what I felt in my spirit. I don't want anybody to copy what I'm doing. I don't want anybody $10, $5, $20, whatever the Lord lays on you. I just want you to have some kind of thanksgiving in your hand next week because we're going to do something with that. The children of Israel had to do this every single day. They had to present a sacrifice every day. It was required of them. And so we're going to do that next Sunday. Israel laid the groundwork. God laid the groundwork for Thanksgiving. I want us to look at America. Point number one. Psalm 78 commands us to teach our children what God has done in our nation. King James of England said that he would make the pilgrims conform or he would harry, H-A-R-R-Y, harry them out of the land of England. They would not, so they moved to Holland where they spent 12 years worshiping as their conscience dictated. The pilgrims in Holland were highly respected by the Dutch. They did not want their families raised under a foreign flag. They sought an opportunity to come to the New World and were given permission. On August the 5th, 1620, two ships, the Mayflower and the Speedwell, set sail. Now, I condensed all of my reading this week into just a couple short paragraphs, so stay with me. They sailed from Southampton. Speedwell developed a leak, and with advanced uh, and with adverse conditions, they had to return both ships to the port of Dartsmouth. Another attempt was made for both vessels to leave, and still again the leak developed in Speedwell, so they both returned uh, to the port of Plymouth. One ship finally set sail, 
the Mayflower with 102 passengers, 33 children, and two dogs. Amen. Somebody had to have their pets. One half of the passengers were pilgrims. I want you to watch this. The pilgrims were ridiculed beyond measure by the sailors and the other passengers. One sailor would particularly every single day mock violently the pilgrims, telling them that he could not wait for one of them to die so that he could throw their body overboard to the sharks of the ocean. After two weeks into this voyage, this sailor became violently ill. This is all recorded history. This sailor died one of the most horrible, frightening, and violent deaths within 24 hours of becoming sick. He was the first to die and the first to be buried at sea. His body was cast overboard. From that day forward, no one dared mock, no one dared harass the pilgrims for the rest of the voyage. Listen to me. Don't touch what God's doing. Don't touch the... Don't you dare touch it. There were obstacles. The seafarer, and I won't go into all that, how the mask was broken, and on and on. But there were miracles of God. But one such miracle happened to one of the pilgrims, John Holland, who came up on the upper deck without warning. The ship just threshed to one side, and when it did, it threw him overboard. But as God's providence and grace would have it, there was a rope trailing behind the mire. And John Holland caught the rope, and the sailors were able to pull him in. And he became the first one saved, a pilgrim saved during the voyage. Can you say amen? I speed forward many weeks to November 9th, seeing 20. The pilgrims said the new land. And at the siding they turned in the scriptures and had everyone read together. And I want you to stand and turn to Psalm 100. And we're going to do what the pilgrims did when they sighted the new land. I'm about to run in here. Amen. I want everybody to read with me. Psalm 100. Verse 1. Make a joyful noise unto the Lord, all ye land. Serve the Lord with gladness. Come before his presence with singing. Know ye that the Lord, he is God. It is he that hath made us, and not we ourselves. We are his people, and the sheep of his pasture. Enter into his gates with thanksgiving, and into his courts with praise. Be thankful unto him, and bless his name. For the Lord is good. His mercy is everlasting, and his truth endureth to all generations. Come on, you need to throw up your hands. The pilgrims did this at the first sight of the new land. And they glorified God. Hallelujah. Just hold on just a minute. Don't go nowhere. The first Thanksgiving... They went into those first winter months and half of the pilgrims died because of the hardships. And you know the story. 
But after a successful spring and summer and the crops were gathered in, in the fall, Governor Bradford declared that there should be a Thanksgiving festival. He invited 90 of the enemy, uh, enemies, Indians, I'm sorry, 90 of the Indians as special guests on the menu. There was plenty of corn, including popcorn. There was wild turkey. There was geese. There was eel. How many have ever eaten eel? Well, there's a few. There weren't many. Only one in the early service. There was lobster. There was partridge. There was shellfish. The Indians brought five deer for roasting. Everyone contributed. There were turnips, parsnips. I don't know what parsnips are. Cherries, plums, strawberries. I do know what the hoe cakes are they had. Amen. But Governor Bradford led the people in praise in worship, and in the festivities. As your pastor, I want to lead you in this beginning of an eight-day convocation, which Saturday night will have a solemn assembly. I'm telling you, this is a week to honor God. This is a week to praise the Lord. This is a, re a week to realize that America has been blessed and is with the pilgrims 100, 400 years ago. Lift up your hands and let's worship the Lord. Come on, lift up your hands and bless the Lord. Watch this. America, let us offer up thanksgiving to God. What will you bring to the feast? God was not left out of their thanksgiving. He was not left out of their celebration. I want you to read between the lines as I go through this. He was not left out of their worship. I said I want you to read between the lines. He was not left out of their speeches. Blessed is the nation whose God is the Lord. You may be seated. And hold on. I know it's 12 o'clock. Give me 10 minutes. How many will give me 10 minutes? Oh, I got hours then. Amen. Turn over to Ephesians chapter 5. Ephesians chapter 5. I will not be long. We'll be headed towards a close here. Ephesians chapter 5, our giving of thanks. God has been good to America, and we're a blessed nation. It is right, it is spiritual to give thanks. Thanksgiving is not just the holiday Thursday. It is a command in the Holy Scriptures, and I'm going to show you in closing here. But pastor, I've had a hard week. Things did not go just as I planned and as I thought. I'm going to tell you, God is still in control and he's still worthy to be praised. Your salvation only comes through Jesus Christ. But his help in your life may be through many different, and I put angels, amen, in different ways. Just don't be a quitter. Claim the word of God in your life. It is not biblical to quit. It is not biblical to hold back a life of thanksgiving. It is not American to fail to give thanks. And as pastor, I am called to stir up a spirit of thanksgiving to God. Verse 18 says, Be not drunk with wine wherein is excess, but be filled with the Spirit. Paul then goes into several areas that will denote a Spirit-filled life. How do we know people are Spirit-filled? Well, he begins to list. Number one, they speak to yourselves in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. Everybody say amen. 
singing and making melody in your heart to the Lord. Hallelujah. Somebody say amen. amen. Giving thanks always for all things unto God. How do you know a person's spirit-filled? They give thanks. If they're walking in the Holy Ghost, walking spirit-filled lives, they're going to always be giving thanks always for all things unto God and the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Throw up your hands one more time and give thanks to the Lord. Hallelujah. I want to show you one last thing before we head to the final close. He said, therefore, as the church, he said, submitting yourselves, verse 21, one to another in the fear of God. We've lost the teaching of submission in the body of Christ. And yet it's one of the truest evidences. People have a hard time submitting. And we are to submit one to another in the body of Christ. Amen. And the submission is so important to us really being spiritual before the Lord, keeping lives of submission. Go to Psalm 95. Everyone turn to Psalm 95. We're going to close with this. But I've got a decree and a declaration. Verse 1 says, Oh, let us sing unto the Lord. Let us make a joyful noise to the rock of our salvation. Let us come before his presence with thanksgiving. I'm telling you, you can't get into his presence unless you think your way in there. This heart of ingratitude as the prophecy and utterance came forth, the one leper came returning thanks to the Lord and Savior. God's been good to every person in this room and those watching right now. God's been good to you, and you need to return thanks to the Lord. I want everybody to stand. Please don't leave. Psalm 95, verse 3 says, Our Lord is a great God and the King above all God. Verse 2, let us come before his presence with thanksgiving, making a joyful noise with songs. I want the worship team to come back. Psalm 107 says, let them sacrifice the sacrifices of thanksgiving and declare his works with rejoicing. Psalm 116 says, I will offer to thee the sacrifice of thanksgiving and I will call upon the name of the Lord. Psalm 95 verse 2 says, Let us come before his presence with thanksgiving and make a joyful noise with, unto him with psalms. Psalm 69 says, I will praise the name of my God with a song and I will magnify him with thanksgiving. The Lord takes pleasure in this, he says. Psalm 69, better than an ox or a bullock. I asked in the early service, I said, this week, I want you husbands and wives to do a little homework assignment. I want you to go home, and I want you to write down five things and hand them to your spouse, something you're thankful for in their life, positive traits that you see in their life. Let's get off of the street of ingratitude and start complimenting one another and blessing one another and speaking over one another. I said that in the early service, walked through my office to my Sunday school class, and my wife had already gone through my office and written down, number one, honey, you're a wonderful husband. Number two, you're my favorite preacher. Well, that's the only one she's got. Amen. 
Number three, you're a great pastor. Number four, you're the best father. And number five, you have provided well for your family. Do you know what? We're not self-made people. We're only as good as God has blessed us and God has endowed us. I'm going to give you one more scripture to chew on this week and meditate. And I want everybody to see this in Hebrews 13. And this is my closing. Hebrews 13, verse 15. By him, therefore, let us offer the sacrifice of praise to God. How often? Everybody say the word continually. Does that just mean on Sunday morning? No. That means even when there's some tough times, we've still got to offer the sacrifice of praise continually. But I want you to watch this with me. Continually, that is... The fruit of our lips giving thanks to his name. The fruit of our lips giving thanks to his name. On July 4th, actually it was the Sunday prior to that, June 30th, we stood here and preached a prophetic message the Lord gave us about America. And we made a declaration of dependence upon God. That this church would recognize in a greater way that, that God is our source. God is our help. And I put throughout the congregation these declarations and help Frankie Anderson help me write this. Our declaration un, of dependence upon God. Hundreds of people came forward to sign this. And I've had them in my office on a desk. And I said, this week I said, Lord, it's been here five, six months now. And the Lord spoke to me. I want you to pull these out and set them out this week. This Sunday morning, as a reminder, my friends, this church recognizes that God is our source. There's nothing good in and of ourselves. The only good is because of the blood of Jesus that cleanses and washes away and removes all sin stain. And then we're allowed to be joint heirs and reap our inheritance in Christ. We made a declaration that we're going to try to promote and declare to this nation our dependence. I want the fruit of your lips right now to be lifted up. I want you to raise your hands. And I want us to declare God over America. How much we need God in this nation. Recognize that without God, America is lost. We cannot leave God out of our speeches. We cannot omit God out of our public life out of our political life. I'm telling you, our leaders must be called into account that they speak over the speeches as they've been written. The phraseology that helped to form this nation's dependence upon God. We declare God bless America. God bless America. God bless America. Lord, I say it one more time. God bless America. Lead us in that song, Jennifer. Lift up my
lift up my voice and I praise you, Lord. I praise you. I praise you. I lift up my Everyone sing it. Everyone sing it. Come on. Everyone sing it. Recognize your source. Recognize that God has blessed you. Lift up my hands. I lift up my on my lips continually the sacrifice of praise and thanksgiving. One more time. bowed and every eye closed. If you're here this morning and you're not saved, you're not born again, I want you to move from where you're standing. If you've not given your life to Jesus or you've not been living for the Lord, I want you to come to the front right now. Come on, from up in the balcony or the lower floor. If you know you've been struggling spiritually and you've not been doing what you ought to be doing, and the Spirit of God is convicting you, come on, if the Holy Ghost is tugging at your heart, you need to obey God this morning. As we begin this eight day of holy convocation, the best thing you could do is start it right spiritually. For Christians with spiritual struggles, I invite you to come to the altar right now. Anyone, anywhere. You know you've been fighting the devil and the devil's been working overtime. God bless you, God bless you, God bless you, God bless you, amen. Come on, come on, come on, give them a hand for their honesty, amen. One of the greatest programs this church could ever offer is Celebrate Recovery. If you've got habits, if you've got things that you're challenged with, forget what the three H's are, habits, hang-ups, and hurts, you ought to be in Celebrate Recovery. Because I had a man testify to me Friday. I've never met this man, but he comes on Thursday night. And his life has been transformed. I'm telling you, there are so many helps but you got to walk an aisle and you got to say, Lord, I need your help. I'm coming to you, Jesus. Amen. You got to be willing to call for the help that's available. Amen. Come on, if you need to pray before you leave this sanctuary, you're dealing with some things, struggling with some things. Come on, move from where you're standing. We're going to sing it one more time and be dismissed. You, I pray. Lift up my hands, I lift up my voice, and I praise you, just praise the name I pray.
I need about 250 people to 300 people that will walk to the front in closing and help me pray for America. I'm not going to ask everyone, but if America's on your heart, I want you to move to the front. We're going to have a closing prayer for our nation as we begin a holy eight-day convocation. America is on your heart. I encourage you to come to the front. About 250, 300 people, come join me right now. I'm all across this room, up in the balcony on the lower floor. Come on, press in real close. We are called to make a difference in this nation. and Call this nation back to her God. And if you're serious about revival in America, come down here and join me in praying. Amen. Come on, press in real close. Still need about 75 more people that will come. Amen. Come on. I want you to throw your hands up and I want you to begin to intercede over this nation right now. Come on. Everybody begin to intercede over America. Everyone. Come on. All over this room. Let's pray for this nation. For national revival. National awakening. The spirit of God to move in this nation. Oh God. Breathe upon this nation. The breath of life. Exhale this week. God, in an eight-day holy convocation, beginning on this, the Lord's Day, through next Sunday, Father, we call America to repentance. We call America back to her God. We call America back to acknowledging that, Father, our foundation is found in the eternal Word and Scriptures of our God. And we call upon you, dear God, to visit America this week, a national awakening. Hallelujah. 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 Lord, breathe upon this nation the breath of life. Oh God, let it break out from the north to the south, the east to the west. A national awakening, oh God. Father, we call a holy convocation. We repent for the sins of our nation. God, the main sin is not acknowledging you, not looking to you. Forgive us, O oh Lord, for truly you have blessed us. I want to tell you what God wants to do. I want to tell you what God wants to do. He wants to send a national awakening. Wait, wait. Right now. During this Christmas season, God wants to send a national awakening right now. Not tomorrow, now. And this holy convocation this week is important. I want you to praise God and thanksgiving to God all week long. But I'm telling you, God wants to release in America now a wave of revival for the holidays. This Christmas is important. Hanukkah this week, the festival of lights. God wants to do something now in these last days. Pour out His Spirit. I want you to thank Him for revival. Come on, lift your hands up. Come on, thank Him for revival. Thank Him for a move of God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. We're going to sing this in closing, hug somebody's neck. God bless you. Be back at 6 o'clock, 5 o'clock for prayer, 6 o'clock for Brother Jim Raley. You're dismissed. We need all of our deacons down front here on my right. All of our deacons down front.